Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. It's Matt here, and at the end of this episode, I'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Journey app where you can access all of our recent message content. And actually, the app's the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and to keep up with everything going on around here at Journey. Just search Journey Calway in your app store. Now, most importantly, I hope this message inspires you to take your next step in following Jesus. Now, today we're in part three of this series. I want to start by getting you to think about this. Have you ever been inspired to be or live better than your being and your living? I think all of us have, have. We've all had those situations where maybe we were in a conversation and it inspired us. Maybe we read something that inspired us. Um, maybe we saw someone or we heard someone's story and it inspired us. Some of the most powerful inspiration is when you know someone, when you're around someone who's inspiring you to live and be better. And that person, that friendship, that relationship just continues to push you on. Sometimes it's when you hear something, you know, you come to church, you hear somebody like me talk, how many times has this happened? And you've walked out, I'm with you. You walk out and you go, okay, I'm inspired now. I'm inspired. I want to change. I want to be better. I want to live differently. I want to do better. The problem is, That inspiration has about a 72-hour shelf life, doesn't it? Or for those of you who are overachievers, you may get headed down that road and it'll last for 72 days. But eventually, not always, but eventually for most of us, in most areas of our life, the inspiration just begins to wane. It goes away. And we end up going back to doing what we've always done and being who we said we didn't want to keep being. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I do not know what your explanation is to yourself when you do that. I don't know what you tell yourself when you look in the mirror and go, well, I did it again, or I didn't change, or I said I would, but here I am. You know, I don't know how you convince yourself it's okay or deal with any of that, but I'll tell you what those of us who are Christians usually do. I'm not saying this is good. This is just how we normally handle it. We lay our head on our pillow at night when we're, we've got regret or when we have remorse or when we're frustrated or disappointed in the fact that we haven't changed and we're not being who we want to be, we just lay our head on a pillow at night and we take an imaginary big bucket of sin that we've got, all of our regrets, all the things we didn't follow through on, and we just dump them all out. We empty that sin bucket in front of God and we say, okay, God, you said you'd forgive me, so I'm asking you to forgive me. And then we wake up the next day and we do it all again. We go to bed that night and we take our regrets and we dump them out in front of God and we just keep up with this cycle because for most of us who are followers of Jesus, we resign ourselves to believing, okay, well, I know I'm gonna be okay when I die and I know God forgives me, but I don't know how to get beyond disappointing God and maybe worse, disappointing me. And so we just live with the assumption that there's some things about me that I just can't change. You live with the assumption maybe there's some things about you that you just can't change. But the Apostle Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament documents, that's why we call him an apostle, but Paul was just an ordinary guy. Paul, who wrote most of these New Testament documents, did not believe that at all. Matter of fact, his message was, no, 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 you don't have to stay in this cycle. You don't have to keep disappointing yourself. You don't have to just wait until you get to heaven for everything to be okay. And between now and then, just resign yourself to the fact that you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to get it right. You're just going to keep disappointing. You're just going to keep falling short. That was not Paul's message at all. Matter of fact, if you take all of his writings and sum it up, here was Paul's message. Paul believed sin doesn't control where you go when you die. Now, you've heard that before. This is a forgiveness part, right? That even though I've sinned, even though I've fallen short, God forgives me. I can still spend eternity with him. You've heard that part. But that wasn't all of Paul's message. Paul also taught this, that sin doesn't have to control what you do while you live. Now that is different. Paul's going, no, no, no. Following Jesus is transformative. 
Following Jesus should change you from the inside out. Following Jesus isn't about waiting until you go to heaven and then everything's made right, but until then, you just kind of muddle through and keep making all the mistakes and falling short all the time. Paul would go, no, no, no. Sin doesn't control where you die, but sin also doesn't have to control what you do while you live. You can be different. You can be transformed. You can be changed from the inside out, which is why Paul made the statement that we ended with last week in episode two of Me Versus Me in a letter he wrote to Christians living in Rome. And what we now have labeled Romans chapter six, Paul made this statement. He said, for sin, he's talking to those of us who are followers of Jesus, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Paul's writing to these Christians and he's going, no, no, no. You think when sin whispers, when sin calls, you think when sin stirs up your emotions that you've got to answer it, that you've got to follow it, that you've got to do it. You act like you don't have any control over this. He's going, no, if you're a follower of Jesus, sin's not your master anymore. You don't live under the law. You live under grace. And the reason Paul believed this is because of what Jesus had done on the cross through his death and resurrection, as we've talked about in this series. Jesus freed us or paid the penalty of our sin, but Jesus also freed us from the power of sin. Jesus pardoned us, but then Jesus broke the power of sin in our lives. So we don't have to do what sin beckons or calls us to do anymore. Now, we've spent the last two weeks talking about why that is true. And if you haven't been tracking with us, you can go to our YouTube channel, you can go to our website, our app, you can catch up on those messages. Today and next week, I want us to drill down deep into how you live this out. This is all gonna be practical. This is all about application. So I wanna rewind just a little bit in Paul's letter to the Romans just a few sentences before he made this statement. Paul explained there were three things, three things that you and I need to understand. I want you to think of these like shifts in your thinking, okay? Like a change in your approach, like three different cornerstones to a new way of living. And I'm gonna go ahead and give them to you now and then I'll show you how he describes them in his letter. But Paul said, if you wanna be changed, if you wanna be different, if you want to avoid being your own worst enemy, if you wanna learn how to be free, from this battle of me versus me. You know, I do the things I don't want to do and I can't do the things I say I want to do. Paul says, no, you don't have to keep living that way. But in order to live differently, there are three different shifts you have to make. You have to declare, you have to decide, and you have to devote. You have to declare, you have to decide, and you have to devote. And I want to show you exactly what he means by all of these. So let's back up just a little bit in his letter. Here's what Paul wrote. He said, for we know All of us, we may not know this, okay? This may be new information for some of us, but Paul assumed his readers knew. So he said, we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. This is so important. Paul's going, if you're wondering, if you're questioning, it's a good question. Well, how do I know that sin is not my master? I'm not under law, I'm under grace. Paul says, let me just point you to the empty tomb. Now remember, when he's writing this, It's just within a few years of when Jesus had risen from the dead. They could go check out the empty tomb for themselves. They could talk to the eyewitnesses. This was current history for them, recent past. So Paul says, the reason you can know that sin is not your master anymore is because the tomb is empty. Because Jesus didn't just die for our sins. He could have claimed, I'm paying the penalty for your sin and I'm breaking you free from the power of your sin. But if he was still in that tomb, there's no reason for us to believe him. 
Paul's point is, we can trust what Jesus said because he rose from the dead. We can trust what Jesus said. We can trust that death no longer has mastery over him, so it no longer has mastery over us because he proved it. When he broke the power of sin, sorrow, death, and suffering by walking out of a tomb on his own power. So, then Paul says, let me show you in light of that what you need to declare as true for yourself. He says the death, he's talking about Jesus, the death that Jesus died, he died to sin once. He didn't have to do it anymore. For all, that means it's for everybody. It covered us all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And then he makes this statement. In the same way, count yourselves, he's talking to those of us who are Christians, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, okay, if you want to be transformed from the inside out, if you don't want sin to be your master, to have control or mastery over you anymore, then the first thing you have to do is you have to declare to yourself that you have a new identity. This is his way of saying you have to believe something fundamental has changed in you, that there was a sin nature in you. And we talked about this the first two episodes. There's a sin nature in you, that you are broken And that sin nature had total control over you. No human on their own is strong enough to tame it. No human is disciplined enough to control it. It's why we keep doing the things we don't want to do. It's why we keep uh, having struggles to follow through on things we know are good for us to do. But Paul says, now you're different. When you begin following Jesus, you have a new identity. And you've got to declare this. You've got to understand this. You've got to believe and embrace this. You are, in his words, dead to sin or dead to this sin nature. It doesn't have control over you anymore. And he says, in this new identity, you are now alive to God. Now, this is just his way of saying that you are in a right standing or in a perfect relationship with God. You are now part of his family, that you have a new identity as a son or a daughter of God. How did you get that? Well, you got that because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. Because he took his perfection, he took his right standing with God, and he laid it aside and took on all of your sin and all of my sin. And so now when we embrace the forgiveness that Jesus offers us through his death and resurrection, he swaps out our sin for his righteousness, our sin for his perfection, our sin for his relationship, his right standing with God. And so... Paul says, you have a new identity. You've got to declare this. You've got to believe this or you're never going to change. You've got to believe you're dead to sin. Sin can whisper, sin can call, sin can tempt, but you don't have to listen to it anymore. You have control because the power of sin has been broken for you by Jesus. And you are in a right standing with God. You are now a son or daughter of God and that identity gives you access to everything Jesus has. What's true of Jesus is now true of you. So you have to declare your new identity. And then Paul says, there's something based on that that you and I need to decide. Here's what he says. Therefore, in light of this, in light of this new identity that you and I have, in light of the fact that you now understand that you're a son or a daughter of God, therefore, in light of that, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Well, Paul, You're making it sound like I have a choice. You're making it sound like when I lose my temper, I don't have to lose my temper. You're making it sound like this thing that I've always struggled with, the lust, the greed, the gossip, 
you know, whatever. I just feel like I was born with it. And you're making it sound like, no, it's a choice that I choose to act this way. I choose to engage in these behaviors. And Paul says, absolutely. Once you're a follower of Jesus, it is entirely your choice because you are dead to sin. You are alive to God. You have a new identity. So now you need to decide to live under a new authority. That's what you do. I declare that I have a new identity. And then I have to think differently. I have to decide I'm going to live under a new authority. Now, we talked about this in episode two, and I likened it to international adoption. Can you imagine, can you imagine if a child was adopted from, say, China? The moment they're adopted, everything about the authority they answer to changes, doesn't it? They are now under the authority of this new family with a new identity, with new possessions, with new wealth, with with new everything. Their world has completely changed. Can you imagine what it would look like to you or me if that child was brought back here to the States, but that child continued to listen to and follow the authority of the workers in the orphanage in China or the city or the state or the nation of China? We would say, no, 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 you don't have to do that anymore. They've got no say in your life anymore. Well, this is exactly what happens when you and I become a part of God's family. We have a new family, a new identity. We have access to new wealth. We have access to new opportunity. And we are living under a new and better authority. So Paul's going, okay, you've just got to decide. You just got to decide. I'm not going to keep letting this sin reign or wreak havoc or run its course in my life anymore. I don't have to listen to it. I'm under a new authority. Now, let me explain to you in a very practical way what this looks like. You see, every time sin comes and sin tempts, it creates an argument inside of you. Now, you know this because you've experienced it and so have I. That's why we called this series Me Versus Me. Because whenever temptation calls, there is this debate that goes on in you. You may have gotten to the point where you're not even aware it's happening, but it is. And the debate sounds something like this. Well, I know I should, but I want to. Well, I think I could, but then, you know, there's this debate of, well, you know, most of the time I wouldn't, but maybe this time it's okay. Or I think I deserve, you know, this time I think I deserve. There's a debate that goes on between do I do what's right or do I do what I'm being tempted to do? Do I do what's right or maybe in that moment do I do what I want to do? Now, here's how you know whether you have decided to live under a new authority you know by how that argument sounds inside of you. You know by which side you come at that argument. See, some of you, whenever you're tempted, you argue from the side of sin. You argue as if sin still is your master, sin still is your authority, sin still has control. Now, let me tell you what that sounds like. It sounds like this. Well, I was just born this way. I'm never gonna be able to change. My dad was like this. My mom was like this. My grandfather was like this. My brother's like this. It's just who I am. So this is a part of me that you're just going to have to get used to. I can't change. Or I think I deserve it. I mean, I've been really good, but I think I deserve to go ahead and do this. It's not that big of a deal this one time. I know it's wrong for other people, but in my situation, in my case, I think it's okay right now. Well, all guys do this. Well, all freshmen do. Well, it's just part of, you know, Whenever you find yourself trying to excuse or justify or rationalize a behavior that you know in the end is not right, that you know in the end is going to create pain, that you know in the end is going to create hurt, when you try to rationalize, excuse, or justify sin, you are arguing from the standpoint of your sin nature, which has no control over you anymore. Now, the flip side of it, 
When you have decided to live under the authority of God and being a part of his family, then that argument comes very differently. When you're tempted, you begin to remind yourself, now, wait a minute. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God. I don't need to do this to find meaning, to find purpose, to find joy. I'm a son or daughter of God. I don't have to listen to temptation when it calls. I'm a son or daughter of God. I don't have to follow through on this sin. This is not who I am. He's changed me. This is not who I have to be. I can choose to be different. It's a very different conversation you have in your head. So you should pay attention to that. You should pay attention to the argument, to the conversation going on. And what's it telling you? Which side of temptation, which side of sin are you arguing from? It's going to let you know. If you have decided to live under your new authority as a follower and a child of God, or if you're still living as if you are controlled by your sin nature. Paul says, you want change. In very practical ways, you have to declare, you have to believe you have a new identity, and you have to decide because of that identity, I'm going to live that way. I'm going to live under my new authority. I'm not going to live and argue from the standpoint of my sin nature anymore. And then he says you need to devote. Specifically, you and I need to do this. He says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin. I'm going to come back and explain this in a minute. Don't offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Now, this is a lot more practical than it sounds. Here's all Paul's saying. Once you decide that you're going to live under this new authority, then this requires a constant process on your part and on my part of surrendering or offering ourselves to God. You see, you can't sin without your body. Now think about that. You can't sin without your body. And this is Paul's way of saying, you need to wake up every day and maybe every time temptation knocks, you need to pause and go, oh, wait a minute. Sin, I'm not gonna loan you my eyes this time to look at that. I'm not gonna loan you my ears to listen to that. I'm not going to loan you my feet to go there. I'm not going to loan you my mind to think about that. I'm not going to loan you my emotions and my heart to feel that. Sin, I'm not giving you my body as an instrument of wickedness. Sin, I'm not going to let you take my hands and my feet and do that and create that kind of pain for somebody else. No, 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 sin. I am not my own anymore. I have a new identity. I'm under a new authority. I'm a son or a daughter of God. And so I am his, and I'm going to offer, I'm going to surrender, I'm going to devote my eyes, my ears, my mind, my heart, my emotions, my hands, my feet. I am offering myself to God and saying, God, will you take me and use me for your purposes? Sin, I'm not going to loan myself out to you anymore to create havoc, to create harm, to create pain, and ultimately to create death. Because come on, you know this, you know this. Wherever sin goes, death follows. And you got to get to the point where you decide, I don't want to loan myself out so sin can bring along death in my finances, death in my marriage, death with my kids, death in my friendships, death in my career. I'm just not going to do it anymore. Sin, I'm not giving you access to me. I am under a new authority because I have a brand new identity. So, this is a shift in thinking, Paul says, it takes to begin to win the battle of me versus me, to learn how when temptation calls to argue from the side of my new identity and authority, not from the side of sin. 
I have to do these three things, declare, decide, and devote. Now, let me show you in a, what I hope is a practical and helpful way how to apply this to something that we're all wrestling with right now. Just like you, I've been watching the events take place in our nation over the last few weeks. And I have been as appalled and angered as so many of you have over the death of Ms. Taylor in Louisville, over the murder of Mr. Arbery in Georgia, over the murder of Mr. Floyd in Minnesota, and so many other things that have been happening. I mean, that, that's just the tip of the iceberg of these events that transpire, and we don't even hear about all of them. So what does it look like for you and me as followers of Jesus? As we see racism, as we see injustice, as we see prejudice, because let's just call it what it is. Racism is sin, plain and simple. Injustice, prejudice, it's sin. Anytime you are elevating you above someone else, then you are out of line with God's design entirely. It's sin. So what does it take to transform, to change someone from the inside out? What does it take, let's be practical, what does it take to address the sin, the prejudice, the racism, the hate that may rattle around or may hide inside of you and inside of me? What takes these three things? It takes declaring, you know what? I am not better than anyone else. I have a new identity. I am a son or daughter of God, but because I'm a son or daughter of God, it means I look at everyone the way my heavenly father looks at them, which means every person I lock eyes with has equal value, dignity, and worth. I'm never gonna put myself above someone else. I'm not, never gonna treat someone as if they're beneath me. I'm never going to assume that I deserve something they don't deserve because we're all equal in the eyes of my heavenly father. Declaring your new identity means you value who God values the way he values them. And then it means deciding because of how God sees people, I'm gonna see them the same way. I'm living under a new authority here with God. So I'm gonna follow his rule of law and his rule of law was simple. Love one another the way I have loved you. Matter of fact, Jesus said on the night of his arrest, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciple, that you're my follower, if you love one another. And so deciding means I'm gonna treat every person I lock eyes with, red, yellow, black, or white, as if they are precious in his sight, as if they are someone who is created and loved deeply by God because it's true for me and it's true for them. And then, I'm going to devote myself. I'm going to devote myself to loving one another the way Jesus loves me. I'm going to devote myself to treating people with dignity and respect. And I'm going to devote myself to allowing God. I'm going to surrender myself. I'm going to allow him to use me to bring about the justice, to bring about the love, to bring about the value, to bring about the respect, to promote the dignity of others just as he would do if he were here. This is what it looks like to change. This is what it looks like to transform. This is what it looks like to grow. This is what it looks like to be who God created us to be. I'm telling you, I don't care what the sin is you wrestle with. I don't care what temptation calls so loudly in your ear. Whether it's racism, injustice, prejudice, gossip, pride, on and on, you name it. You can declare that you have a new identity and you can decide you're gonna live under a new authority 
and you can devote yourself to living for a higher and a better purpose. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's what he has called you to do. And to summarize Paul once again, for sin is not your master. You're not under law. You're under grace. You don't have to answer when sin calls. You can live a different, better, more purposeful, meaningful life. So here's what I'd love for you to do with this. With the people you're watching with today, with some family, with some friends, with your small group, for all of you who are in groups, I wanna give you a couple of questions that I hope you'll wrestle with. And the reason I give you these questions is because it's one thing to listen to me but you begin to own this and understand this at an entirely different, different level when you process through it with some other people. These conversations are really, really powerful and helpful, more than you realize. So let me give you a couple questions you can process through with some friends. When you face temptation, do you argue from the side of sin or do you argue from your new identity in Jesus? This is a great question to talk about. When you face temptation, what is the internal dialogue going on inside of you? Are you arguing from the side of sin to go ahead and do it? It's just who I am. It's just the way it is. Well, in this case, it's okay. Well, they did that to me, so. Are you arguing from your new identity in Jesus? And then the other question is, what makes it challenging for you to identify as a child of God? Not a, to use Paul's term, a slave of sin. What makes it challenging for you to identify as a son or daughter of God and not as someone who, this is just who I am. I'm controlled by sin. I'm marred by sin. I've just got to follow my sinful nature. You know what I think makes it challenging for a lot of us? If I could be blunt, it's our pride. It's what gets in the way. Pride's at the root of every sin. Pride's at the root of racism. Pride's at the root of injustice. Pride's at the root of gossip. Pride's at the root of envy. Pride's at the root of anger. It's our pride. We want what we want, and we want to be the center of our worlds and the center of our universe, which means we have to elevate ourselves above someone else. But God resists the proud. You know who he gives grace to? He gives grace to the humble. And for many of us, to declare, to decide, and then to devote or surrender ourselves to God, it's going to require us laying down our pride and choosing humility. So I want to encourage you to join me in doing that. Not just in this moment, this is a start, but I want to encourage you to join me in doing that every day, to choose humility, because it is the better way, and it is the path to a life of significance and impact. And humility is the only way that you can declare and embrace your new identity, that you can decide to live under this new authority, and that you can devote and surrender yourself fully to a God who loves you and has a purpose for your life that's bigger than you. Humility is the only way you can win the battle of me versus me. Humility is actually the path to being free. Let's pray together. Father, would you help us? It's so difficult. Would you help us to see the pride inside of us? to see the sin that rattles around? Would you help us to be aware because so many of us, we're not aware, we've just ignored it. Would you help us to be aware that we are arguing from the side of sin, that we're often arguing for sin. We're not arguing for you. We're not arguing for the life that you've created us to live. We're not arguing from this new identity and authority that we have as a son or daughter of you. 
So help us to be aware of that. And then help us to change. We admit we can't change. We can't fix ourselves. So would you do what you have promised to do as we humble ourselves and transform and change us from the inside out until we have your character and your nature and we love and value and think and do as you do. As we continue to pray for some of you, you've never humbled yourself enough to admit you need God, to admit that you can't fix you. And I wanna invite you right now to do that. All you have to do is just say, Jesus, I give you my life because I can't fix me. Jesus, I give you my life because I can't solve the sin I have. Jesus, I give you my life because I can't change me. I can modify my behavior. I can, I can filter my, what I say, but I know what's going on inside of me. So Jesus, I need you to change me from the inside out. I give you my life. If you're willing to take that step and humble yourself enough to express that to God right now, if it's the first time you've ever done that, I would love to know about it. We'd love to celebrate with you and we'd love to get you some resources to help you continue to grow in your new relationship with God. So you can grab your phone right now and you can text the word follow Jesus, make it all one word to 555-888. And that's how you can let us know that you've chosen to give your life to Jesus and we will be in touch with you. Father, thank you. Thank you for inviting us to have a new identity, to be a son or a daughter of yours. Thank you for choosing to adopt us and not just give us a new identity, but allow us to live under a brand new authority, an authority of you, one who loves us and wants what's best for us. And thank you for inviting us to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. Thank you for giving all of us dignity, value, worth. Thank you that from conception all the way to the coffin, we matter to you and that every life is precious in your sight. And for those of us who follow you, just help us to treat people with the same dignity, value, and worth and love that you demonstrate to them from conception to the coffin to the very end. Thank you that even though we can't change ourselves, you make it possible that we don't have to be slaves to fear, to sin, to temptation, to our nature, to bad habits, to how we were raised, to what we used to do, that we can be free. We can win this battle of me versus me because of you, Jesus. We're so grateful for that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast, it would really be helpful. And if you live near our church, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our phenomenal children and student environments, just visit us at journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Look forward to seeing you soon.